What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this bonus episode of the Bullpen Cart Podcast, presented by ThunderBlogSports.com. It is a New York Yankees special preview for the 2021 season. I was joined by Seth Zwiefler and Andrew DiMaggio, two lifelong Yankee fans who guide me, an outsider, through what the 2021 season should look like. Whether you're a Yankee fan or not, this should be a lot of fun for you. This was a lot of fun to record. Would love to know what you all think, but as always, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Search The Bullpen Card on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Mash that subscribe button. You'll also notice the NL West preview that we recorded right after recording this one. That is in the feed as well. Follow us on Twitter, though, ThunderBLG, Thunderbox Sports on Instagram, but enjoy the episode. Let us know what you think in the comments. And here we go. Welcome to this episode of the Bullpen Card Podcast. A special episode here. We are at our good friend Seth's house, welcoming him back onto the podcast. Seth, how you doing? I'm well, Jordy. Pumped to be back. Oh, yeah. Joining us for this Yankees bonus pod. We're doing this a little inside baseball. We're doing this before the NL West preview, but we're dropping this as a little bonus along with the NL West. But joining us, fellow Yankee fan, or another Yankee fan. I'm not a Yankee fan myself, so I shouldn't say fellow. I'm not a wee guy. But it's Andrew DiMaggio, friend of ours from softball. Andrew, how you doing? I'm great, man. Hanging out. Enjoying a nice <laughs> evening. It is a great evening. Just got done with our first softball game. Club dub. We're there. 1-0. Solid win. Come from behind. Very solid win. Just to clarify for listeners, too, unless I'm mistaken, Andrew is not a direct descendant. Don't be confused by the last name. I have never checked my DNA, but I'm pretty sure. Okay. It's like when we brought Matt Adams on. We were like, it's that Matt Adams. No, it's not really that Matt Adams. But you, it's that Matt Adams. You could have fooled a lot of people, though, because I feel like no one knows what the real Matt Adams voice sounds like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, people remember that from the football show. So if you are a baseball listener only, or if this is your first time, you're a Yankee fan, friend of Seth's or Andrews, jumping on the podcast. Normally we do divisional previews. I decided, as spring train was starting, to do... Team previews as well. You have bonus ones for my friends that are fans of other teams. Going to try to do a Phillies one before the season starts. We are halfway through at this point because it's dropping with the NL West. We're two-thirds of the way through our divisional previews. But doing this Yankee one, I've alluded to it before. Of This one we were actually going to maybe do a couple weeks back. And we ended up playing ping pong, which was good because I was grossly unprepared comparatively to the two Colleagues, gentlemen, next to me. So, guys, as Yankee fans, first and foremost, how do you guys feel coming into the season? Nervous. You know, it's been... Uh, I, I kind of start this era of uh, Yankee history in 2017, which I think opened up a window, and I'm sure Andrew would agree, that none of us really saw coming as soon as it did. Um, and I think sped up the timeline a okay. lot. And, you know, we're on year four now, uh, 17, 18, 19, year five, excuse me. Um, Last year kind of counts. You yeah, did four yeah, and a half. It, it absolutely counts. Yeah, all right. It, with, with October, it absolutely counts. Yeah, all right. Um, I know that there are probably very divergent views there, but it totally counts <laughs> in my opinion. 
Um, but uh, we're going on year five. The core is still there, um, but there is an end in sight um, to the core. And it's, it's time this season or next that um, we really start to see some results. And by results, as a Yankee fan, that means World Series. So uh, as, as always, I'm generally optimistic heading into the season. I think uh, they have a, a top three team in baseball. Um, but there are some concerns, uh, as, as I'm sure we'll talk about over the next 45 minutes to an hour. So, uh, nervous excitement is, is the headline. I love it. Andrew, how are you feeling? I, I agree with Seth. Feels like we've been in a, a comfortable reality, uh, which I prefer, uh, over the mid-2010s of Yankee AOE's dominance. Um, however, uh... There's been some hard competition from our friends from Tampa Bay, so I'm happy to see them lose some weapons. But, yeah, it feels like we've been on this Yankees ride with this team for a while. Um, I think the biggest turnover has been with the arms. You know, you finally lose Tanaka in the offseason. CeCe's gone. You look at that rotation, and obviously Cole here last year, but, you know, you, uh, you see a lot of new faces, a lot of names, which if you were at the beginning of this 2017 saga you would not believe are on the Yankees. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think the lineup has really been the stalwart, and you're now looking at, you know what you're getting from the lineup, and you have no idea what you're getting two through five. Thank God for Garrett Cole. Yep. <laughs> All right, well, that's a good intro to it. Now, Seth, in your preparation, you have a bunch of different storylines you want to go through, so I feel like that's a good structure yeah. for this episode. So let's jump into your first talking point. I'm happy to. Do you want to... I can do that, Jordy, or I can also uh, give a quick recap of their offseason Let's well. do that. Let's jump into that and then the, the storylines. I figured that might have been part of them, but let's just do, so do a recap. Just, just some super quick bullets here. So obviously the big story of the offseason uh, in terms of signings was re-signing DJ LeMayhew to what I would argue is a pretty team-friendly six years, $90 million. Pretty protracted... Uh, or so it seemed, uh, reported by New York media, uh, back and forth between the two, but it was clear that the Yankees really wanted LeMahieu back, and it was, I think, pretty clear that LeMahieu wanted to come back, so glad to see a deal get worked out. Um, old reliable Brett Gardner, uh, two years, five and a half million dollars, second year being a, a player option, I think all but ensures that he's going to retire in pinstripes, I think uh, the Yankees are very much viewing Gardner as the fourth outfielder this year. And one of the storylines that uh, I'm most intrigued by this year is, is sort of the passing of the torch from from Gardy to our boy Clint Frazier. Uh, and and it seems like Frazier uh, is really looking at Brett as a father figure, which is uh, which is great to see, albeit a much more bald father figure. Um, <laughs> one of the more surprising, I would say, signings, the most surprising signing of the offseason was Corey Kluber. Um, taking a, a bit of a flyer on a one-year, $11 million deal. Couldn't agree more with Andrew, what he said about, uh, or Jordy, it was you, uh, about 2017 and, and sort of looking at the stable of arms uh, four or five years in the past and, and being pretty shocked that this is where the... Uh, yeah, that was Andrew. That was Andrew. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, I didn't remember. My apologies. <laughs> um, hitting, the, hitting the bottle too hard. A, uh, a nice little reunion, although unfortunately uh, seems like he's dealing with some sort of shoulder injury with uh, Justin Wilson, who was a rock for the Yankees for, for a couple years. 
who uh, Cashman eventually flipped for Chad Green and Louis Sessa, uh, so a reunion between all three. Um, but a uh, two-year, approximately $5 million deal, second year being a player option. Um, Darren O'Day uh, makes a return to the AL East, another two-year deal around $3 million. Yankees also uh, picked up Zach Britton's uh, option for 2022. Otherwise, he could have opted out after 2020. Um, they're paying him $13 million this year, $14 million next year. Unfortunately, he's going to be out until at least June with a bone spur in his pitching elbow. A um, little bit disappointing, but hopefully see him this summer. Um, and then in terms of signings, uh, unsurprisingly, uh, I don't think there's any question here, but the uh, Yankees picked up a 2021 option that they had on Aaron Boone. Uh, and certainly wish him all the best as well after uh, getting a pacemaker put in a couple weeks ago, surprisingly. Um, in terms of trades, um, the, uh, the big one was uh, getting Jamison Tyone, who's coming off of his second Tommy John surgery, for uh, four prospects from the Pirates. Seems to be a lot of optimism about him and his ability to rebound, uh, judging by some of the early returns in spring training. And then a little bit of a historic uh, trade. Uh, first time the Yankees and Red Sox made a swap since the uh, famous Kelly Johnson, Stephen Drew trade. Uh, a number of years back, I think 2013 probably, I might be wrong there, uh, they unloaded uh, Adam Montevino onto uh, the Red Sox uh, and, and just as a salary dump, purely. Um, host of minor league signings, I think we're going to see in the coming days how, if and how, some of these shake out, but some very familiar names on the list. Uh, Jay Bruce, Derek Dietrich, Robinson Chirinos, Adam Warren, Ulysses Chassin, and Asher Wojciechowski. I practice pronouncing that one, I will openly admit, um, but some familiar names probably going to be uh, uh, jumping back and forth from uh, Scranton to, uh, to the Bronx. Um, and then some big losses as well. Uh, Andrew mentioned Tanaka, um, already mentioned Adovino, uh, Hap, Paxton, Tommy Canely, Jonathan Holder, Ben Heller, uh, and of course we can't forget about Eric Kratz. Um, so that, that's kind of a, a, a quick recap of the offseason. Um, I think sort of the, the theme of the offseason um, was a directive that Cashman has clearly gotten from Hal Steinbrenner to stay under the $210 million luxury tax. And if we believe uh, everything that's been reported, the Yanks are around 3 to $4 million under still, so a little bit of wiggle room, but, but not too much. Um, but, but that's kind of where things are at. So I think a, a creative offseason uh, in terms of Kluber and Tyone, uh, certainly not what I expected to see coming, but operating within the constraints that he clearly was, I think Cashman did a pretty admirable job. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out. Andrew, what do you think about the, uh, the moves they've made? Yeah, I mean, I think that you needed to retool pitching. Your choice the entire time was, are you willing to pay up for Tanaka to re-sign? Um, the Yankees clearly felt that that wasn't the way forward for them. Tanaka's money... You know, essentially got them two pitchers later on, so you know they they wanted to reload, which makes sense as you heard the uh, bevy of arms that they lost in the off season. Um, it's not very often that the Yankees are you know thought of in cash constraints, but unfortunately that's just the reality of the uh, the rules in Major League Baseball at this time. So you know you end up losing Tanaka, uh, which hurt my heart, but. I'm happy that he's uh, back in Japan. And then you bring in guys who you're essentially buying a ceiling. Um, 
extremely talented guys. This is not a prove it year. You know, they they are what they are at this point. It's prove it maybe for health, but you know, they they're not trying to make a name for themselves. They they have their name. Um, you feel for Tyon with all his mess of injuries and illnesses. Um, and you know, obviously Kluber with the what was it uh, eighteen pitches or something last year. So it'll be interesting to see what those guys can do. Um, with limited money, I think they did a pretty nice job. You know, I, I agree with with Seth's interpretation of, of Cashman's performance. Um, you know, I think if you're the Yankees, you are pretty confident you're going in with a playoff team, and it's you know, it's then you have to decide what kind of playoff team are you going to have? And for a lot of people, that's, you know, pitching related. You can do a, you know, a, you have a, a roster full of number twos and they make up your, your rotation, or you can do what the Yankees did last year and you signed a bona fide ace and you get Cole. And, you know, this year they kind of had the opportunity to retool their roster. And I, you know, I kind of view their, their postseason in a, an optimistic strategy or optimistic scenario and a, probably more likely scenario for a three-arm postseason rotation. Um, you know, I think you'd love to see the Cole, Tyone, Kluber look. You know, Kluber gets up from his 91 or 92 miles an hour. He's at in spring training, and he starts pumping 94. And, you know, Tyone still stays healthy. And, you know, you see those guys, you know, mowing down hitters in October. But, you know, I don't think anyone is uh, going to bet on that. So you got to look at what the Yankees have behind that. Um, and I think the big, you know, you can call it addition, you can call it a black mark on the team, whatever you want to call it. But uh, Domingo Herman coming back is, is huge for the rotation. You know, you lose guys uh, with Paxton and Tanaka, like we said, and Hap. But you are getting a guy back that you're, you know, is already on the roster. You didn't have to give up any pieces. So he's got game. You know, he's, he's a bona fide major leaguer. Whether or not he is, you know, a top end of the rotation guy, I think, you know, he's going to have to prove that. You know, he's coming in at a, at a, a five or maybe a four. Um, but he's a guy who's been reliable in the past. So, you know, I think if he can, can work some magic and Montgomery can make a step forward, you end up with probably a more likely Cole, Montgomery, Herman. One, two, three in the playoffs. You know, I'm I'm a bit of a of a pessimist when it comes to the health of those new guys coming in. But boy, would I love to be proven wrong. Yeah, that would be pretty awesome to see. So you you kind of alluded to it. Obviously, you mentioned with Tanaka going. Is there a guy you're bummed that left, or is there a guy you wish they could have gone out and gotten, or even just a specific position that they would have jumped on him? So I I would come back to Tanaka. Um, I think that they were. Assuming, and, and we can talk about whether these are actual constraints or self-imposed restraints. Mm-hmm. I would argue heavily uh, for the latter, <laughs> um, which which is a little bit disappointing as as a Yankee fan. I think that uh, George Steinbrenner is probably rolling in his grave a little bit um, when he sees uh, what his what his son has been doing. Um, but uh, Tanaka, it's just hard to overstate how beloved. Uh, he was in that clubhouse among Yankee fans. Um, I wish him nothing but the best in Japan. 
I have a lot of respect for him for clearly going where, where his heart was. I don't think we've necessarily seen the last of him in a major league uniform. Um, but for him, it was clearly the Bronx or Japan. And uh, the, you know, I think he got around like $14, $15 million um, going back to Japan. And you know, it was clear that the Yankees decided uh, we essentially want to make, as Andrew said, a two-for-one um, and, and get Kluber and Tyone. Um, I, I, you know, agree with everything that Andrew said, um, in terms of, uh, you know, I, I almost look at Herman right now and, and, you know, maybe this is me thinking back to just how good he was in 2019. And I know, I know wins don't mean anything anymore. No, seriously. But the dude was, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. The dude was 18 and four. Um, in, in 2019, pitched around 150 innings, averaged more than a strikeout an inning. Um, and, I mean, it was just kind of like, I just remember watching him every, I mean, he, he, was, he was basically a plug-and-play at the start of the year. I forget who he came up for, but they needed a spot starter. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just like a lot of spot starters, he got on a nice run, stuck around, and then really just dominated for a stretch. It was a pretty remarkable thing, uh, sort of coming out of nowhere. Um, in terms of uh, you know players uh, would have liked the Yankees I've seen I'm glad that they never really got in the Bauer sweepstakes um, I think it would have just been a, a recipe for disaster um, with, with him in New York it's obviously well documented that uh, he and Cole um, you know we're not going to ask uh, one another to be uh, groomsmen at, at their weddings um, going back to their to their time in college uh, they had, you know, no need for another outfielder, so I'm glad you know, they didn't get into the into the Springer sweepstakes. Um, sure. To, to your question, Jordy, no, there's not really um, a big name that I'm very disappointed they uh, didn't make a run at. You know, I think there was a big open question coming into the offseason um, about would the Yankees try to make a splash in the catcher market with Real Muto and James McCann, both free agents. Uh, but this is, you know, clearly, and I think a, a top storyline in any Yankees radar is this is a make or break year for Gary Sanchez. Uh, if uh, if he doesn't perform, there's there's no future for him in the Bronx. Uh, sure. Yankees have some good, not great, um, catching prospects, but they've invested heavily in the draft in recent years um, in some catchers, and it's it's just really apparent to me, at least, that um, in the organization's eyes. Um, it's it's Sanchez's job. He is the starter, uh, but this is a make or break year for him. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, you know, I think the Yankees infield uh, was pretty set. I think there's definitely some room to be concerned if you're a Yankee fan about the state of Luke Voigt, about the state of Gio Urshela, and about the state of Glaber Torres' defense. Sure. But I think if you're any other team, probably besides the Dodgers, and you heard a Yankee fan complaining about Gio Urshela, Luke Voigt, and Claver Torres, they'd you know want to throw the nearest sharp object at you. So I know the feeling. <laughs> no, well. So I recognize that uh, you know these are not exactly the most uh, intensive concerns, but you know as a fan you're worried about you know Gio and, and Luke. Like, is that for real? Is that a flash in the pan? And there's been enough time where I think you have to, as a fan, say yes. Like it's it's for real. Um, and you could be concerned about Glaber's defense, but even if you moved him, you move him to. To second, you know, you're not getting rid of Glaber unless you get a hell of a deal. So I think realistically, you look at that infield and you weren't going to pick anyone up. You weren't in the running to, you know, sign Didi back, although that was, you know, mentioned once or twice just because, you know, he's a fan favorite in the Bronx. 
you know, you weren't in the running to pick up a clearly undervalued Colton Wong in the market. You know, great player, just doesn't fit. Um, I agree with Seth. You know, you, I think James McCann is probably the most interesting uh, name to float around. Um, happy to be able to watch him in New York. Um, but, you know, I don't think it was ever really going to happen. You know, there's a lot of investment, like Seth said, in the catcher position. And if you're a Yankee, uh, you know, analyst working uh, under Cashman, I think you got to bet on on Gary doing better than whatever he did last year, you know? I mean, the guy was, you know, a phenom when he came up. And there's a lot of guys where that's the case. But he, there's not a crazy amount of money invested in him. You give him a chance. You got it. So I don't think he really invests in the catcher. And that leaves you with the outfield. And there's really no space. You can upgrade, like, a, a fourth outfielder if you really wanted to. You don't break the bank over that. Definitely don't go over, you know, go after a springer. I don't see, you know, any reason to, to make any trades in any, really any place in, in the diamond. So that leaves you with pitchers. Um, the reality is the Yankee bullpen is excellent. There's a lot of great bullpen arms that were out there this year. Uh, you know, Kirby Yates, RIP. Uh, you know, but uh, Liam Hendricks, you know, if you're the Yankees and you feel like, wow, we're the Yankees. We're the best there is. Liam Hendricks out there, he's the best there is. We should they get him. assume go to New York right. to dump money on and I get that, but their bullpen's great. It's just not where you need to invest. So you look at the starting rotation, and you know they're clearly, as Seth uh, alluded to, self-imposing some restrictions here. Um, I don't think I wanted Bauer anyway, so I'm in I'm in Seth's camp there. Um, I can only imagine guy. Bauer with New York media has a shit start. Somebody from the New York Post goes after him. He gets some. I really wanted thing. him on the Mets. <laughs> I really wanted him on the Mets. Yeah, that you know, that's that's like like having something really fun happen in the neighborhood next to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? It's like, oh, that awesome event. It's so close, I can commute to it, but not in my backyard. <laughs> it's a great comparison. That's why you live in Fairmount. That's why I live in Fairmount. What a, what a, what a prick I am. <laughs> you know, but hey, it is what it is. He definitely still feel that way, though. And I agree, though. I want to see him with the Mets. I thought it would have been a just an awesome storyline. Uh, with uh, him and Cole, cross-town rivals. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think the Mets had a fantastic offseason. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't see how you could argue with that. You really yeah. can. I, you know, I think uh, they're just going to be an exciting team to watch this year. Yeah. Um, and I agree. I did not want Bowery. <laughs> yeah, so, I shout, mean... Shout out Paul Corelli, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, can, you can look back... Uh, now, knowing that Britain's injured, knowing that Wilson's injured, and you could say, wow, I really wish we got that lefty arm. But the reality is, you had Chapman, Britton, and Wilson in a pen that already was great. You added Wilson on top. Like, you, you went out there and got your lefty. Now, it sucks now that, you know, you're, you're without two of them, but, you know, the reality is, I don't even think there really was a space to invest there. It was really starting rotation the entire, the entire offseason, and I think everyone had their eye on it. Everyone thought, I think, that Tanaka was probably coming back. Um, so I think everyone was thinking, okay, what are we doing about the other gap? You know, you had Hap and you had Paxson leave. And you're saying, you know, how are we going to fill the other one? And then when Tanaka didn't come back, you know, you, you really started to sweat. But they, you know, I think they did a nice job. Um, they're really relying on guys picking up the slack, which is a, an un, 
an un-Yankee thing, I think, in the starting rotation. They tend to, you know, bring in a lot of arms. And, you know, it's not to say they didn't. They brought in two. But it feels like a lot of pressure is going to be on uh, the Montgomery's, the Garcia's, the uh, Loisigas of the world, which, if you've watched any Yankee baseball in the postseason, I don't know if that's really where you want it. But <laughs> you got youth. You got to use them. So I'm excited uh, to see, you know, maybe the, the new day of Yankee starting pitching. And I hope that, uh, you know, it's inspiring. All I right. agree. I would also say, too, uh, I've been very agreeable uh, so far. All podcasts will be a little bit disagreeable here. I don't share Andrew's uh, pessimism. Uh, maybe pessimism, pessimism isn't fair, but general outlook on Urshela and Voight. Um, I'm, I'm maybe all in is a bit of an overstatement, but they've both showed me more than enough over the past couple years, um, to convince me that, that they're both mainstays. Um, Geo's defensive value alone, uh, which is clearly not an aberration because he's been doing it his entire career is a huge boost to the Yanks. I mean, it just seems like the guy is making sparklers game after game. This year four for him? This is three. Three? Okay, yeah. I couldn't remember what you were... Four, what four for Voight. Okay. Because um, Voight came over sort From of the Cardinals, yeah. yeah. And just, you know, kind of took the world by storm. And when he's been healthy, that's all he's been doing. Um, you know, he's still been... Uh, you know, his, his kryptonite is clearly the, uh, the Tyler Glass now. Um, nasty righty. Um, but what right-handed power hitter doesn't have trouble with something like that, right? Sure. Um, you know, the Yankees would not have made the playoffs without Voight last year. Um, and so, uh, he's, he's a lovable meathead as well. Um, 100%, 110%. So I, you know, do I expect some regression with both of them? Absolutely. But I've also been saying that the past two years and I've been wrong pretty much each time. So, uh, I have nothing but confidence about the two of them. I totally agree with Andrew about, you know, this being a really big year for labor um his his defense in particular uh you know just really seemed like a lot of it this past season was carelessness to be perfectly honest uh lackadaisical throws um not having his head in the game entirely i think you know there were clearly injuries at play um or just conditioning at play with regard to his overall performance so i'm not saying we give him a pass on that Um, But with the crop of free agent shortstops in the next free agent class, Corey Seager, Francisco Lindor, Trevor Story, um, and Carlos Correa, or did Correa resign? No, he hasn't resigned. Hasn't. Hasn't. Um, Although the Yankees will never sign Correa. Fuck him. Yeah, totally agreed. Um, (laughs) Sorry if this is a family pod. No, 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 no. no. I curse all the time. You're good. (laughs) Um... But this is this is a big year for Blaybrook because he's proven that he can be uh, an average to above average defensive second baseman, um, and, and that's not the case at all um, at at shortstop. So I think this is this is a really big year for him uh, in in terms of his future. He's looked very good so far this spring. Uh, seems like he's uh, much healthier than he was during the summer camp last year. Uh, it was just reported the other day that he's uh, shadowing DJ LeMahieu now, uh, his his every move, which I think is a great thing, um, and uh, so I'm 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 excited. Um, I'm I'm excited overall. The only other thing that I want to say too about Kluber and Tyone, 
this is this is a rationalization, but everything is. I, I think that Cashman basically said, you know what? I think I'm going to hit at least a little bit with at least one of them. And if I can hit with one of them, then I might as well take a shot with both. Um, That's fair. Play the numbers. It, yeah. Yep, yeah. You know, it's it's fair. It's, it's really apparent that the Yankees are going to bring both of them along really slowly all year. Um, I don't think Tyone has... Are they on uh, limits? They are. The Yankees yeah. haven't said what they are. I mean, I think Kluber is probably just see how he's feeling every start because he was such a workhorse. Yeah. The Tyone um, pressers have been really interesting with that. They ask him all the time, and he's just like, yeah, you know, it's on the horizon. We're going to talk about it. Which is, <laughs> I can't tell. I mean, what's, what's, your, what's your read on when uh, an athlete says something like that? Have they actually had the conversation, and it's just been agreed upon that we're not talking about it? Or do you think he's actually in the dark about what his target is? Um, I think more of the latter, to be totally honest with Still you. Still calibrating? Yeah, and, and I, I go back to that, and I think that this is something... I go back to what the Yankees did with Jay Happ in Game 2 of the ALDS last year, when Davey Garcia started, um, was announced as the starter, pitched one inning, yep. and the Yankees brought Happ in, and obviously you know, backfired and changed the entire dynamic of, of that series. And Happ said very forthrightly after the game that this was a very last-minute thing uh, that Boone and, and company came to him with. He was clearly not bought into the plan. Yeah, he, he was not on board. I remember right. this very clearly. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was, I think, a prime example of an organization not putting your player in a position to succeed. So, um, you know, organizational history would suggest that there are things that can improve in, in terms of communications there. Um, he's such an interesting case because how do you plan for someone who has had such a unique series of uh, both injuries and health scares sure. as well over the course of his career? And, you know, I think you just have to keep open lines of communication with the player. Certainly. You have, you have to see how he's feeling, but um, I, I totally agree. It is a little bit concerning that, you know, that's that's been sort of the, the line at, at each of his press conferences, especially when he's been so open about mechanical changes that he's made, um, new pitches he's, he's been toying with, how he's been feeling, and, and is just really willing to engage with the New York media on, on that sort of stuff. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I think this is not, you know, a Yankee-specific problem. It's, you know, we're, we're talking about jumps from, you know, anywhere from 60 to 75 innings um, for frontline pitchers this past year to... 150 to 200 innings, yeah, and that's just not going to happen for the vast majority of, of pitchers. So, um, you know, I think if you were to ask a lot of pitching coaches around the league, many of them would say we're sort of flying blind. Um, no, that's a really good way gonna, to put you're it. Gonna, yeah. You're going to try to buy a couple days, a couple innings, wherever and whenever you can. And that's for a sixth that's, guy somewhere. Yeah. I mean, is that an advantage the Yankees have considering? You know, Herman's coming back and all the, you know, I know Severino's on the, the IL, as much as the, the DL, uh, still getting used to that. But yeah. is that something that they have an advantage to, just throwing a spot start somewhere out there to kind of extend that with these two guys coming off injuries? Absolutely. Ah. Yeah. yeah. Good to have at your disposal. I vividly remember the J Hap, uh, J, sorry, J. Hap, uh, I never got it down when he was in Philly either, so don't worry. <laughs> relief appearance because I was drinking red wine and I had to have an extra glass. That was a rough day. Not great. Is that a Saturday day game? It was not. It was, it was nice not. Game. It was all watched at Seth's house. Um, it was definitely weeknight, too. Yeah. yeah. But, uh... MVP playoffs are kind of all blurred to me. The only one I know that was a Saturday night was, uh... 
Game six of the World Series, because that was, that was the day of the Thunder Cup. <laughs> it's a good way to remember it. Yeah, it's a good way to remember it. it was I, at, at a friend's house post-Thunder Cup. I want to defend Gio and Luke's honor. I do support them. But, you know, I it's hard when you see names like Nolan Arenado being thrown around. You're like, man, wouldn't it be nice if we had a name? But they're just as good. But before we leave and move on, I did just want to mention, shout out to Luke Voigt. Uh, we met in the the uh, the Gulf of Mexico in Tampa in 2019. My dad and I were in the water. Did you actually meet? You just saw him, I thought. No, we met. Oh, I didn't realize I that. I mean, I didn't like, shake his hand. I didn't shake his hand. Uh, we were in the water. And my dad and I are in the water. And my dad goes, we, we both know exactly who he is because he's got the same gold chain that he wears <laughs> in all the games. And he's wearing the ocean. it. And he's drinking a White Claw. Didn't catch the flavor, though. And he was injured during the Tampa Bay Rays series. He was there with his girlfriend, fiance, wife, I don't know, somebody, sister. She's pregnant good, now. Good-looking sister. She is, but... Hopefully not the sister. Um, yeah, hopefully not. Yeah. I knew the chain because my roommate, Dave Wong, huge chain guy, loves Luke's chain. Loves the chain. drip. I mean, obviously I knew Luke Voigt, but the confirmation was the chain, and I'd seen it many times. <laughs> and my dad goes up to him in the water, and uh, we give him a nod, and he's like, you know... I bet you get this all the time. You'd be a good Luke Voigt doppelganger. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, yeah, I do get that. And then we, we went our separate ways. What a dad comment. <laughs> it's a fantastic line. Uh. <laughs> it's a fantastic line. Yeah, oh. My dad said lookalike, but I wanted to make him sound smart. That's great. Well, so, we after an extended conversation about the ads, various players, let's jump into your storylines. And we can... Yeah, we're half an hour into this. We can do however many or however many or as little as you'd like. So, so let's I'll, jump I'll, in. I'll, I'll, I'll run. How about I just run through all ten super quick? Okay. And maybe you pick one or two that you want to talk about. And some of them I've already mentioned. Yeah, I was about to say we probably really, covered a couple. Really quick, yeah. So my first one is the new look rotation. How does it play out? Uh, my number two, uh, and and these are generally in rank order, but but not entirely. Okay. Um, like number one to me is more important than number ten. Um, sure. But number yeah, one I mean, is not necessarily obviously. more important than number two. Sure. Uh, pitching two, obviously is very important. Right. And we talk about storylines, not priorities. Storylines. Sure. Andrew Andrew used the word fears earlier. These are storylines, not fears. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a good enough person to have storylines. I live in a in a world of fear with the New York Yankees because. They're so good that there's no surprise greatness on the cusp, it feels like. It's just disappointing. Outside of like an explosion. Because you Gary know Sanchez. they're going to be... Yeah, I mean, if Gary, if Gary nuts, I'll nut. <laughs> and, that's, and that's a promise. But... Lock it in. I mean, the Yankees are a World Series candidate. There's something charming about the 2017 Yankees where you're like, oh man, who knows? Maybe they're going to suck again. Yeah, Severino looks but then, That was a fun year. But then it's like, whoa, who are these guys and where did they get a literal Mike Stanton clone? R.I.P. Mike Stanton. But... See what you did there. You know, it's... That was really cool, but now it's like, oh fuck. Yeah. What if, what if, what if we suck? What if the Rays beat us? You know, like, man, I fucking hate thinking about the Rays beating you. Yeah, no, I mean, 2017 was the definition of playing with house money. Um, and you saw how far they were able to go. Fuck the Astros, of course. Mm. Um, but you, you saw how, how much noise they were able to make. And, um, you know, I feel like that, both fairly and probably a little bit unfairly as well, really accelerated the timeline. 
Um, and you know, we're we're at the point right now where um, we we expect them to get back to the promised land. Yeah. Um, my other storylines, uh, number two, just as a fan, um, what is Cole going to do in his sophomore campaign? Um, after uh, a little bit of a rough hiccup to start the year, just a fantastic pinstripe debut. Really look forward to seeing him pitch in front of live fans as well. I think uh, you can count on maybe not one, but but certainly two hands, the number of pitchers who are going to give you in the 190 to 200 inning range this year. And I think Cole is, is absolutely one of them. And there's just such a value add there oh, yeah. um, for, for him. So it's going to be a He's continue bad. to be a He's stud. bad man. He is. He's going to continue to be a stud at the, uh, at the uh, front end of the rotation. Number three for me is uh, just how flying can – just how high-flying can this offense be? Uh, and related, will we finally get a mostly full season of, of Judge and Stanton? That, that is what... It's got to be one of the top. Yep. You, did, you shied away from priorities, so that's got to feel like a fan priority of Absolutely. Health. Well, and it's also, too, I mean, that, you know, you kind of just salivated when they signed Stanton um, at uh, the possibilities even if you didn't love the deal, even if you didn't love the signing, you had him. He's there for the long run. Well, it felt like a thinking. cheat code coming from the outside and just being like, of course, fucking Jeter goes to the Marlins and trades Mike from John Carlos Stanton to the fucking Yankees. Like, of course, this fucking happens. And you're thinking, like, this is, you know, it's going to be another late 90s run with yep. just dominance. But it's home runs instead of, you know, what you had there. And yeah. It's just crazy to think about. That was such a good storyline when that happened. The whole, like, Jeter's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> a, a he mole. goes to the world. <laughs> yeah. uh, my number four is uh, just simply Gary Sanchez. Question mark. Gary Sanchez, question mark, exclamation part. Has he learned from, like, the not Has- hustling stuff? I've wanted to ask about that. Of Like, do you just want to see him run down the baseline? Do you want to see 20 homers out of him? What is a successful Gary Sanchez campaign in 2021? We could do an entire series of podcasts on on this question. Serial season three, Gary um, Sanchez. 100%. Yeah, I, I, I could quit my job and not find enough time to talk about Gary Sanchez. Couldn't agree more. I think any real Yankee fan probably, hopefully, feels the same way. Um, at a very baseline, I want to see Gary Sanchez have competitive at-bats consistently. Um, do you see the last spring training game? The most recent one, I did not. Well, let me tell you. I saw a little poke to right I field. watched one at bat. He was incredible. He had a great full count battle, struck out, classic. But great at bat. Check Twitter later. Apparently, the other ones sucked. They were flaming him. But was, I saw the one at bat, and now I'm bought him. Fantastic. Hashtag if Gary not sign up. Yes. <laughs> um, Put it on a billboard. Yeah. I mean, so I think it's uh, it's foolish to your question, Jordy, to expect anything remotely resembling 2016. Sure. Uh, I mean, you talk about lightning in the bottle, and it's the dictionary. No, that's why I'm asking. I'm the outsider. Yeah. I want to um, know. But you look at, he had uh, overall very, very strong seasons in 2017 and 2018. He's great. He had 39 homers. Yeah, yeah. So. I had him in fantasy. It was great. It is, it is very apparent uh, that so many of his struggles are just so in his head and you hope that he can get into a groove so that he's able to, to shake some of that off but I think he is an excellent example of uh, you know the, the, the classic and uh, timeless Yogi Berra quote of uh, you know, 90% mental 
Um, and it's just like very apparent when he's at the plate, when he's trying to block. The Yankees, I think, certainly have done him no favors in terms of fucking around with him, both behind the plate and uh, in, in the batter's box. Um, but ultimately, uh, Gary is Gary. It was Soy Gary. Um, it was Soy Gary. It was Soy Gary. And uh, it's, 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 it's up to him to, uh, to perform. Yeah. My, I've been theorizing some some movie tropes or TV tropes that I think could really help Gary. And I have been sending his agent emails trying to get him to places where it's more common for lightning to strike people. Touch a lot of really high poles. I think he needs some sort of like biblical moment, like a near-death experience or a like, lightning Like the shock. priest in Caddyshack? Yeah, I need something here. Huh. Yeah, or like... You know, he he has a dream, so maybe if someone could drug Gary... D- does he need his happy place, like in Happy Gilmore? I'm willing to try anything. Oh, okay. I don't think Gary should himself. Peterson? I think Gary should really consider taking DMT and getting struck by lightning. Not at the same time, because we want to have... Joe Rogan we wanna a have Yankee some, fan? We want to have some control in the experiments here. Is Joe Rogan a Yankee fan? Because we can make this happen. I doubt it. Yeah, all right. But... I don't think you're fixing this by conventional means. Maybe a shaman? I don't know. We have to think outside the box. Does he need to kill a live chicken in the clubhouse? (laughs) He might need to. Bring the KFC? Yeah. I remember my... So a little uh, little story here. It was 2019, and I was about to get fired from my job. And my boss made me go out into a field and choke a deer with my bare hands as some sort of ritual. And ever since I did that... I got promoted, I have a wife, I got a house, and three kids. My life's going great. <laughs> What's this a reference to? Oh, I just made that up. It's definitely a reference to something. Yeah, it's definitely, I thought it was too. We can write it. Alright. Or. This seems like a billions thing. Or Gary could live it. Okay. I. Go somewhere on Long Island. On the record, say that Gary Sanchez will hit 300. Oh my god. And 30 bombs and have 30 steals if he chokes a full-grown buck to death by the end of the month. Well, clearly we know what we have to do then. And I'm, I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is. I talked to FanDuel and got a one-of-a-kind bet that we're, we can place on this. We're uh, exclusively sponsored by Schneckbook. Oh, I'm sorry. For long-term listeners, you'll know that you'll know that reference. We have a friend named Logan Schneck, Schneck Book. Uh, well, then I actually cannot disclose this ad. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, if no anyone, free ads. No if free anyone ads. needs me, no free find ads. me on Instagram, Dimaggio Andrew. Uh, I'll send you the link. Well, I was gonna say if we uh, if, off the rails we are. Yeah, if we pursue Andrew's idea, I think you know a clear in here is uh, me to broker a, uh, a meeting. If they don't already know each other between Gary and Uenis Cespedes, mm. um, <laughs> bring out the boar. Bring out the boar. But the I'm board. sure I'm sure he's got a, a healthy stable of, of deer. Shout out Kevin Cash, um, as well. Um, anyway, that's a great reference. Yeah, moving no, on it's a, to it's a nice uh, subtle jab. So I just to, that guy. to just uh, <laughs> zoom through these, um, my my fifth <laughs> one. Uh, Game seven of the World Series. The uh, passing of the torch from Guardy to Clint and, and, and how that goes. My number six is Glaber's defense, especially with the upcoming shortstop market in mind. 
My number seven, just one of the ones that I'm fascinated by perfectly, is the continued evolution of Oroldus Chapman. As he's no longer pumping uh, 100 miles an hour consistently, he actually has been lighting up the radar gun uh, very surprisingly all spring long. Kind of, kind of interesting. Uh, you wonder if it's just you know hot guns down in Florida, um, a combination of some things. Uh, his splitter looks absolutely nasty. It's beautiful. Uh, it's beautiful. We'll see if Gary can ever catch it. He can't. Um, he can't. Not uh, until he murders a beast. It, it all comes back to this. I mean, um, is this why they changed from Trenton to Somerset for the double-A team? Send them down for a little bit? A little more rural. I you think, know? yeah, a little more rural. Not yeah, exactly. Neither of you are Sopranos fans, but Somerset is a lot closer to the Pine Barrens. One of the most famous episodes, probably the most famous episode of the Sopranos, I'm sure. Any number of uh, I feel like I've seen wild, clips of this episode. wild animals there. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, uh, very similar to... Uh, Ron Burgundy and his uh, grabbing life by the horns. Excuse me, not Ron Burgundy. Grabbing the bull by the horns. Grabbing horn. the bull by it's the White horns. White Goodman. White Goodman. W-H-I-T. Yes. Um, he. Thank you very much. As, yeah. as soon as I started yeah. to say it, I knew I was wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, Gary uh, will often on Instagram repost uh, drawings that, that people do of him. Uh, watercolors and... Uh, well, I, thought and it was any, I thought you were going to go with Adam Sandler reference. Do we need to bring in the Sandman? This, this, this is another possibility. Yeah. What I was going to say, I think we need to commission someone to sort of draw this scene out for Gary so he can help visualize it. Uh, get him to repost it on Instagram, and, and we've got a little bit of a little doodle. here. Let me send some messages to see what I can arrange. Please do. It's a little doodle? A little doodle. How, how much time do you take for a doodle? It's, that's a great question. Yeah. That's fantastic. We'll have to consult LD. Um, <laughs> so, um, but you know, Chapman, uh, not that Chapman was unimportant coming into this season... Um, but with, with Britain down for a couple of months, presumably with Justin Wilson on the IL to, to open the season, he's going to be hugely important um, to the bullpen. Chad Green is a notoriously slow starter. Um, so, you know, Chapman anchoring the back end of that bullpen is, is going to be more important than ever. Um, and we also look at Chapman as, as a guy who uh, has, uh, there's no way the sugar-coated had two October nightmares in a row. Yeah. Um, yeah, just just absolutely brutal uh, home runs to Altuve and uh, what's that fucker's name on the Brousseau. 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 Uh What a storyline, by the way. It was great. Uh, I mean, yeah. cinematic. Yeah, yeah. And Ch- Chapman, as a baseball guy, is not a likable person. No. Um, I mean, he emptied the clip in the garage. Yep. The People don't forget. Yeah. Um, While we're on the subject, Chad Green, probably the least Chad, Chad. Of all the Chads I know. I don't know many Chads, so I'm not qualified to comment. I know one besides Chad Green. He looks like a Chad. So he's on the losing side. This Chad that I know, way more Chad. Interesting. I feel like every time I see Chad, I want to name him like Bill or George. He's an old-fashioned looking guy. Maybe Tim. He's a goofy looking guy. Yeah. yeah. No offense to, I mean, I don't, I meant more. I, no, I know what you mean. I didn't want to throw those names out there and then people be like, he hey. doesn't seem as bro My boyfriend, my dad's name is that. He's not goofy. It's old fashioned. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't Very make a big deal about it. Um, the number eight, and Andrew mentioned this earlier, but I, uh, I titled this Florida Foes Retool Tampa Reloaded Jays. Um, obviously, the Florida foes a reference to the fact that the Jays, for the foreseeable future, are going to be playing in Florida. Yep. Um, very much uh, like. Are they? Their, are they in Dunedin? 
That's right? the one. They're in yeah. 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 Is that how you say that? Yeah. yeah. Thank goodness I didn't have to say that first. So is there any? So is that clo- where is that in Florida? It's, You're the spring it's, training it's expert. Right, it's right by Tampa and Cleveland. Okay, that's, so what, I don't, I that's what I figured. Yeah. Dunedin is actually, it's a fascinating place. Uh, a, one of the best sort of small, very independent breweries I've ever been to. Go down there every year. And it's actually an old Greek fishing village. Um, so wow. a lot of Greek restaurants there. It's a really cool little town. Um, got like a very sort of hipster vibe. Um, and it's still very Greek as well. Vlad really. Jr. rode the 250 again? We'll see. It's a lot of euros. A lot of euros. euros. Um, Remember they almost played in Pittsburgh and we were theorizing how many trips for any brothers he was going to make? I don't. All right. That seemed like a group chat thing. but Yeah, you might have you might have dreamt that. No one ever talked about that with you. Uh, There's a certain person that might have talked that with us. But <laughs> he's not on this that, podcast. Look at that, Yeah. So my, my final two. Um, so even though the Yankees front office is given... Uh, Every reason to think that uh, they're they're sticking with Boone for the long haul. His contract is up after this season. They picked up an option um, that they had, and um, this this is year number four for him. Uh, he's he's you know been around the carousel before, and I think an early exit in the playoffs. You have to really ask yourself some some serious questions. Is he the right guy for the job? He's he's fantastic with the media. He checks all the boxes there. Um, as an in-game manager, probably more uh, check marks in the negative column than, than in the positive column. Andrew's nodding, so I, I assume that means he agrees. Yeah, um, he's improved without question. Sure. Um, o- over the past couple of years. So you mean just bullpen management, game management, bullpen management, yeah. lineup construction? Um, you know the. Uh, I, I don't buy into the fact that uh, the Davey Hap Game 2 ALDS debacle was his idea, necessarily. Um, I think that this came very much from, from Cashman in the front office. Um, I think it shows that Boone is probably a little bit feckless um, when it, it comes to certain on-the-field decisions. So. Um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's you know, kind of, I think, an open question. Will he come into his own a little bit more? He's, he's you know, very much by the books. He's very analytically-minded guy um, who probably just happens to get analytics a little bit less than, say, Kevin Cash, for example, um, who I hate the guy. Um, but one very significant example aside... Um, is is a fantastic manager and has I think I would argue and has gotten um, just incredible value out of uh, a lot of uh, players who started as no names with the race and there's sure. like an incredible story year after year. Um, finally, uh, and, and this is sort of ended on a uh, on a positive note. Um, I have uh, the return of fans to the Bronx. It's going to start at twenty five percent capacity as as a number will will be awesome to see. And then the one uh, date game that I'm looking forward to most this year is August 12th when the Yankees and White Sox are going to play a year later than planned, but they're still going to play a Field of Dreams game in, uh, in Iowa. And I think back to just how fun the uh, 2019 London series was uh, and, and how awesome those games were. I kind of wish they were playing like a two or three game series. I think that would uh, have been even cooler. Um, but I think it'll just be be really cool and 
Major League Baseball has clearly done a lot to build up the facility there. Uh, couldn't have picked two more exciting teams um, to, to play. I think kind of a, a bit of a stroke of luck there. Sure. Uh, so they picked Chicago because of its proximity, and I don't think anyone really well, and, saw... And because of the movie. And, well, of course because of the movie. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, hopefully Eloy Jimenez is, is back. Uh, yeah, that's unfortunate time, news today. Yeah. It seems unlikely, right? Yeah, yeah. Like five, five to six, six months. Something like that, yeah. Um, a, uh, a real uh, real downer for them, and... and uh, they're they're just you know a fun team to watch and uh, they're gonna be a fun team. But yeah, it's gonna. I mean, the Yankees are obviously a fun team too, and it's. I mean, you guys mentioned it of World Series hypes. I mean, I we have not the AL East yet, but I think they're gonna win the division. I'm, spoilers for the for the predictions of that preview podcast, but I don't know. This is a team that I think is gonna be a lot of fun. You you bring up really good points on the two through five aspect to it, especially going to the playoffs because that's certainly something there it's enlightening to hear like the Brett uh, just called him Brett what Greg calls Aaron Boone Brett Boone's little brother um, to hear the Aaron Boone insight there of you know the, the game management aspect and you don't really think about it from the outside because you think of the lineup and obviously the retooling of the the rotation is something that certainly strikes as well but you think They'll figure it out. You have Garrett Cole starting every fifth day or around every fifth day, and they have a great lineup that can at least try to pound the shit out of the other team before really having to worry about that. And with a great bullpen, figure it out that way and, and go that way with the bullpen management. So it's definitely an exciting time. It's, you know, whether or not it's enough to to go all the way, that certainly depends on the next podcast we're doing, I feel like. It's certainly in the realm of possibility of not a cakewalk, but a ALCS appearance and hope, and hopefully for you all, a pennant in that aspect. But it'll be really fun to watch how the Yankees do. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Jays are scary. Rays are a little less scary, but that almost makes them scarier. Because I, now I feel like I'm sleeping on them. Well, that's what always happens. This has been the, the story of the Rays, as Seth was mentioning. I got these guys from out of nowhere. They just hang in there, and that is actually one thing I wanted to, to ask, not mention, of you were talking a little bit about, about Cashman and his approaches, and just his approaches with analytics and where you're thinking, you kind of mentioned it with baseball as a whole, but it seems like he's really adopted it a ton, and it's been this sweeping aspect to the Yankees. Am I wrong to think that, or where does that come into to play versus spending out the wazoo? Is that part of where these restrictions might have come from? I think so, but but if, if we want to talk about restrictions, I mean, I think they really come from ownership on down. I mean, I think Cashman sure. is is probably a little bit prideful and and wants to prove that uh, yeah he can actually operate with within a budget. I think uh, Cashman was probably a, a little bit embarrassed by some of the the mid two thousand signings that probably came down from from George the Carl Pavanos the. Uh, Jarrett Wrights, the Javi Vasquez's, um, even even the A-Rods, um, even the uh, the Beltran slash Ellsbury, you know, obviously uh, in the 2013-2014 era. Um, so, you know, I think that, that he probably has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and, sure. and wants to prove that um, he is someone who, who can operate in all markets. Um, you know, I think he... 
he has a really tough job yeah. um, in that he is operating under a, a lot of constraints. And it's probably been a huge adjustment for him as well, um, having to, uh, you know, I, I get the sense that um, Hal and, and, and the late Hank um, were a lot less hands-on in the early 2010s than, than they are now. And so it's, it's, it's sort of an evolution, uh, and, and, and it's been interesting to see. I have a lot of trust in, in Cashman generally. I think that uh, particularly as it relates to trades, um, they've found just some incredible gems. You look at Luke uh, and, and you look at Geo as your, your two primary examples there. Things transform the team. And absolutely. That's, I mean, that's one of the things that's made this Yankee renaissance possible. Because if you had to buy those positions, you couldn't do it. No, absolutely. You, you couldn't play this game of managing right to the number because you'd be short your corner infielders. Yep. You and instead, you, 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 you dug them up out of nothing. Look at, look at Didi, look at LeMahieu, um, even look at someone like the Sockman. Uh, Love the Sockman. Mike, Mike, Mike Talkman for any, uh, <laughs> anyone who... Doesn't get the reference. Sorry, Philly fans. Jay Bruce can suck one. Mike Tockman is my boy. <laughs> and and the reference there, just just so that everyone knows, we're gonna find out within the next forty eight hours um, if uh, the Yankees are, I guess, if they're tendering him a contract uh, for the forty man. Yeah. And, and all all indications point to no. Um, this is Jay Bruce. This is Jay Bruce. Yep. Um, but we will see. Uh, I. Uh, he had a, a scorching hot start to uh, to the spring and has really cooled down since. Um, great guy, great clubhouse guy. Pretty uh, pretty wild. I don't know if you saw the other day, Andrew, but they did a side by side photo on Yes of him and Michael K. Um, I did not see that. Oh, it's amazing. If you just type it into Twitter, you'll see it. They look, it's they that to, to use one of your dad's words. They are doppelgangers. Um, it is it's pretty <laughs> wild, especially with their hairline. That's funny. Um, and, uh, but but I, I agree that I think the Yankees uh, see a lot of value in, in Talkman, and uh, I, I see him making the team. Um, That's awesome. The gate. Love that guy. Such an underdog story. Came from the Rockies, totally undervalued. Same season that LeMahieu came over, totally undervalued. Sorry, Rockies fans, but... Uh, what a boon to the Yankees those guys have been. Um, I would be remiss if we didn't state the obvious, which is that the Yankees are incredibly good because their offense is incredibly good. Um, I know we have mentioned, you know, how high can they fly, I think was Seth's point. My God, these guys hit the shit out of the ball. Yeah. If you look at OPS plus by position compared yeah. to league average, and, you know, 2020, again, small sample size, but you're now comparing over nine positions, uh, DH instead of pitcher. Um, the only negative value is Gary Sanchez. And I think that you'd be crazy to think that Gary Sanchez would hit what he hit in 2020 again. For those not crying over Gary Sanchez stats, that would be 147. 147. Wow. OPS of 618, which is, you know, buoyed by the fact that he can, you know, still hit it over the fence every now and then. The guy just struck out like you wouldn't believe, and some of these at-bats are just hard to watch. But I don't want to dwell on that. I want to dwell on, I don't want to celebrate, 
what's going so well, which is first base, Luke Voigt, 45 OPS plus points above everyone else, above the league average. DJ, 89 at second base. Like, that's where you get the value from, right? Like, you, you can have a judge who hits the shit out of the ball, right? And he, and he does. And, and OPS is not uh, counting stat base, so it's, you know, not going to be... Uh, and I don't have anything to do with injury. Judge was uh, 36 points above. Stanton was 48 points above. Average. Well, he was 89 that's what happens when you have a second baseman that hits the shit out of the ball. And that, that's how you win, right? You, you win by not losing where other people lose and winning where other people break even. And people break even at second base. The Yankees don't break even at second base. The Yankees have an MVP candidate at second base. Yeah. Think about another team that like is able to put that out there. There's not many. And that, that's a really different, because you can talk about outfields, you can talk about corner infielders, you can talk about defensive value up the middle, but when you're talking about a guy who's an offensive MVP at second base, like, oh my God, like that's what was so good about Alfonso Soriano back in the day. It's like, people just don't do that at second base. No. That's why Gary Sanchez was such a revelation, because people don't do that at catcher. catcher, yeah. You know, and you know, I'm not, I don't think DJ is going to be able to keep up what he's doing just against Father Time, let alone against just regression to the mean. But, I mean, he, he, the numbers are undeniable. The guy, I mean, he's got the, the nickname The Machine for a reason. The, the, the guy was born to hit the baseball. I mean, plain and simple. It looks so effortless. Yep. Guy. Go ahead, Jory. No, no, no. I was uh, agreeing in my arm motions there, but finish your thought. No, I, and I, I was just going to say as well, um, without question, uh, these past two years have been just relative to expectations down years for, for Judge and Stanton. And, you know, even if uh, we're expecting regression from whether it's LeMahieu, Urshela, and or Voigt, you, you do have to hope that some of that regression is offset by hopefully a significantly improved uh, performance, even if, if only by... Uh, the fact that they're able to stay on the field a little bit longer, which, which of course, hopefully they are, from Judge and Stanton. Yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. seems like they're all having pretty solid springs, too, so that's got to be optimistic, right? No no injury concerns as yeah. of yet. Um, you know. Judge apparently hit a bomb right against the Phillies in a wild 13-12 to 12 game. Yeah. I didn't realize, I didn't realize Damn, that was the final. That's yeah, I got, I got the final we're as we won. started recording. The, the Phillies walked it off, yeah. apparently. Wow. Good for them. Yeah. I saw that uh, Joe Girardi... Uh, gave a New York reporter an interview about Jordan Montgomery, which I thought was very classy. Oh. Um, uh, he, he did Girard- a Girardi- game, right? Yeah, Girardi, he who uh, nicknamed him Gumby. Uh, or I guess Girardi would call him Monty, though. Um, would be uh, really interested to see what he would call Cole. Cole, he just doesn't cut it. Don't like that name. Garrity. Uh, Garrity. <laughs> worse. worse. Sounds like last name. Oh, Garrity. It's an Irish last name. <laughs> uh, the, the one other player that I think we should mention uh, is Glaber, offensively. We've talked about the glove, we've beat him up on that. The reality is he's a, an excellent hitter. He had, for him, a bad year last year. He hit league average for shortstops. Again, small sample size, but the year prior, he was well above average. Hit the crap out of the ball. You know, he went from a 871 OPS to a 724. 
I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. But the reality is, Glaber was a league average shortstop last year, and I don't think there's any way he's that bad with the bat again. So you have the regression possibilities that Seth mentioned downward with uh, Luke and Gio, which is really just because their names don't strike the same kind of uh, pride as a a judge. Um, And and Gio, you have some... Not to interrupt you, but you have some legitimate injury questions coming off of of elbow surgery. Um, And and you have some with Void as well. I mean, he was clearly playing through a lot of pain uh, last year. Hashtag foot stuff. Foot stuff. Um, and, and he's you know still dealing with some lower body stuff. Knee stuff now. Knee stuff. Um, I really just, like the sound of foot stuff better. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of moving up the body, though. Um, you know, we go from foot to knee. Um, so we'll, I'd rather it work lower and just get out of it. But Totally agree. Because there's a lot more up the body. So toe stuff, stuff, if you're moving downward? Toe stuff, and then maybe toenail stuff, and then he's done. Toe stuff? Guy never dies. <laughs> and if there is in fact a Luke Voigt doppelganger somewhere out there, maybe we can swap him out. Maybe. <laughs> but anyway, I interrupted you, Andrew. So you you were talking about Glaber. Yeah, I mean, I I I think he's a great hitter. I think he had a down year, and I think if you're looking at the Yankee lineup and you're like, okay, what are question marks? You maybe think Aaron Hicks can't walk like prime Kevin Euclid, okay, but I think he can probably hit a little better. Is he going to keep up the same production? Maybe he gets a little worse. Fine. Stanton, Judge, it's health concerns. Frazier, he lit the world on fire when he's been, been around, but you got to imagine pitchers are going to figure him out. He comes back down to earth a little bit. But still, he's going to be a plus hitter. Geo, health concerns, sure, plus hitter. DJ LeMahieu, second coming of Christ, maybe. Great second baseman, definitely. Luke Voigt, knee stuff, still a stud. Gary Sanchez, let's put lipstick on a pig. Hit 200. I love it. You know, just make it work. The reality is, he's so strong. He hits the ball so hard that, like, even if he hits 190, he's an above average catcher. It just sucks that we have to watch someone hit 190, but. That's modern baseball. You you happen to have there, Andrew, his Babbitt from uh, this past year? Because, I mean, there is no question that even though he's significantly underperformed the past two years, Gary has run into some really bad luck. Um, teams shift him really effectively. He hits into a lot of double plays. Uh, but he, he, he can sit, when he puts the ball in play, he hits the ball hard. Um, his Babbitt is 280. Okay. The problem with Gary is that when he was at his, I mean, amateur opinion, let's, let me not be so, you know, factual about it. Um, when he was coming up, he was spraying the ball, and he hit the crap out of the ball into the right center field gap. Yep. He doesn't do that right now a lot. He'll put one over the porch every now and then. But he pulls the ball, he pulls the ball hard. He'll hit the left center, it's not just down the line. But he's not spraying the ball, so he's shiftable. And the reality is, when you're a slow guy who strikes out a lot, and you're shiftable, the balls that you hit on the ground are going to be more than often ground out, so your badminton is going to be below average. And if you're slow, like you're going to get caught on some that, regardless of the shift, you might usually beat out. And then, you know, it just didn't get him out for homers. Is there one Gary hit, and, and I have an answer in mind, I suspect it'll be your answer as well. 
But to your point about Gary in his rookie season, and to a lesser extent in 2017, not only hitting the ball to right field, but hitting the ball to right field with authority and, and clearly trying to inside-out balls and, and going with uh, sliders away uh, and using the short porch and right to his advantage. Is there one Gary hit that stands out as sort of an ideal, uh, if Gary nuts, I nut type memory um, from his time as a Yankee? Wow. Because there is for me, and it's probably one of the best memories of the current crop of, of Yankees that I have. And, and it's kind of a random one, um, but I feel like you'll, you'll kick yourself um, if you don't get it. I will, I'll tell you what, I don't think I'm going to get it. But when Gary was struggling last year for me, he would, whenever he would just demolish the ball to left field, would bring me joy. But I went back and I actually watched some Gary Sanchez compilations before, you know, like any, any regular red-blooded male does before he goes to bed. He watches some Gary Sanchez. Once a week. Home run highlights from the early days in 16 and 17. My God, I couldn't pick one out, but the, the authority he was hitting balls in the right center were unbelievable. It was not, it was, they were not wall scrapers. Yeah, and you know, I think that that was a Gary who, he, he was a kid who didn't know any better, and he didn't know that he shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, uh, that, 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 he, he doesn't know he's supposed to be bad right now. Yeah, there. yeah, and, and it, was, it was just a, a, a truly remarkable thing. So the hit that I'm thinking of is uh, game four of the... Uh, 2017 ALCS. Uh, Didi on first. It was a hit and run. Uh, they sent Didi to the Yankees. Did and Gary just hit a screamer into the right center field gap that that scored Didi. Um, the Yankees had been down four nothing uh, earlier in the game. Judge started the comeback with a booming home run off of McCullers. I think um, you know the hit I'm talking about, right? I do. Um, and and to me, like that was just oh oh. Uh, I'm, I'm hard just talking about it. I mean, it's like <laughs> truly, and, and you know, Gary has had, you know, far more moonshots than that, um, you know, bigger hits uh, in terms of walk-offs and, and the grand scheme of things, but that to me just, just typified the approach that I would like to have, to, to see him have time and time again. He is so fucking pull happy, um, and, and it's just really hard to watch, and it is so clear that the book on him is high fastballs and crap down and away, and, and that he's just going to swing and miss every time. So, you know, I think um, step one is, is obviously, it wasn't a boar, what was it? It was a, uh, a deer? Yeah. A, a deer. Yeah, the deer, um, yeah. We know, sell for elk. We take we sell, sell for elk and any number of, of, of things. You know, a bison would be Whatever great. is indigenous. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but you know, step 1A, if that's step one. Bison, Jesus Christ. Yeah, is, is, is some plate discipline. I mean, Gary's never been a guy that's walked that much. Don't expect him to, to necessarily be. Um, you would love to see, though, um, you know, Gary be... A little bit smarter about working counts. Um, he, he just seems seemed at least last year so in between every pitch. Um, it seemed like he was guessing every single time and guessing wrong. And, and again, we 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 could do a whole series of podcasts on Gary. I'm sure some Yankee fan somewhere has done them already. Um, it, it would give me so much joy 
and, and happiness to see him have a good year. I agree. I wish nothing but the best for Fat Gary. And, you know, he's, he's the guy, and I, I've said it before, I think, in a text conversation or something, but Gary's your friend who gets picked on within your own group, and it's funny. And it's like, Gary, you fat fuck. You swing at everything in the dirt. You fucking swing at things in your eyes. God, you're shit. And then as soon as anyone else, some other fan base goes, yeah, Gary, you do suck. Yankees fans are like, man, fuck you. You just <laughs> wait till Gary comes back. You don't know what's coming. And I, I'm right there. I love to rag on the guy, but I, I do believe in him. I do like him. I want nothing but the best for him. Uh, yo, soy Gary. Forever. Is that a good place to end, Jordy? I feel like it's a perfect place to stop. Guys, thank you. We, do we want to do a super quick prediction? Sure. Uh, I don't know what... Uh, so so I, I've, I've, I've ceased DraftKings and FanDuel, so I don't know what the uh, over-under is uh, on the Yankees. I'll pull them up okay. as you guys uh, give a little spiel. I'll give you the numbers as you... So my, 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 my general thought is... Uh, and I, I pick the Yankees to win the World Series every year, so... Uh, I think they make nothing, the World Series. I think they win the American League. No, no, nothing new here, but yeah. I, I think they do in the AL East. I think uh, the full-length season really helps them uh, in, in that regard. Uh, it's going to be a dogfight without question, um, but I do think that they come out of the AL. And Yankees I, are second in MLB, first in the American League for World Series odds, plus, plus 550, and then you wanted... Sorry, for, you finish your thought. Uh, over under. Okay. Well, I was I was I was just gonna say I think that this is finally the year that we get what the networks have wanted for the past couple of years now, which is a Yankee Dodger World Series, um, and uh, I think it will be a classic. I hope so. I think uh, I'm optimistic. Well, you know, no. Can I get a win prediction? So the number is ninety five and a half. So my, my, my win total, I would take the over on that. I would too. Uh, my, my win total for the Yankees this year, and it's a little bit of a cop-out for a very obvious reason, but it's 99. Uh, Love it. Yep. I, I think the AL East is going to be too much of a dogfight for anyone to get to 100, um, but I think 99 is going to do it. I don't think they'll have the best record in the AL. Um, I think the White Sox, uh, especially in that division, are going to. I, I love what they did this offseason. Um, uh, but I think, uh, in, in my eyes, the Yankees and White Sox, um, even post-Eloy Jimenez injury, which, which is devastating for them, but they have the depth to survive it. I cannot help but go back to 2019, a.k.a. the year of the Sockman, when it <laughs> seemed like every day a Yankee got a 20-day injury. And you woke up and you're like, who the hell were we going to drag out of the grave to fill the spot? And they just did it. Cameron Maven hit the shit out of the ball. Mike Tockman hit the shit out of the ball. And you were just looking around like, whispering to the guy next to you, trying to not let know the, trying to not let your friend who's a big fan know, be like, who is this guy? When did we get him? (laughs) But the Yankees just kept winning. That's in the the back of my head, and I'm like, it happens every year. I love the Yankees. Judge, Sten, stay healthy. 110 home runs in total. And I'm like, oh wait, that's never going to fucking happen. So, 
I'm going to bet on the fact that it's not going to be as bad as 2019. And I'm going to say the Yankees win the AL East. I think they probably win anyway. But I'm going to give them over, and I'm going to say 97. I think that it cannot be as bad as 20. I hope it's not as bad as 2019 injury situation was. But I can't get away from it. Regardless of the division, I think Yankees at full strength or a 100-win team. I just don't think the Yankees are going to be at full strength. Totally agree. I don't think anyone's going to be at full strength. No, but like I, I mean like compared to even the average case. I to- think Yankees totally just have agree. above average injury risk. Totally agree. That's part of the, that's part of the build, you know? You, you live with that. The idea is you get enough wins to get into the playoffs. Then you guys are healthy. Yep. That's all the Yankees got to do. And they hell, they can do it with 94, win a wild card. I mean, hopefully you can do it with 94. Who knows? Yep. But Yeah, I would, I would take that over as well. I think uh, great point on the AL Central. We talked about this a lot in that preview of just that division is going to be all over the place. And a lot of that depends on Cleveland and where they go, ultimately, of where the White Sox end up with wins. But I do think the Yankees go over it with Baltimore being kind of, yeah, Red Sox, you don't know what the hell is going on with them. You mentioned Toronto. I'm going to have to do a little more digging, but I, you know, they made a lot of ads, but it's also something of how's that going to add up with where they're at and then Tampa's up. Tampa's going to Tampa, I feel like. But 94, probably 97 is a good number. 99 is probably, I think you're right, probably not going to do 100. I would say, do a happy meeting. I'll say 98. I like it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take any of them. Yeah, if either of those are reality, I'm a happy guy. Yeah, it, if 95 is probably the number to win the American League East, and I think they do that because I feel like Tampa's going to be up there. It's probably second or third in the AL. It depends on where the White Sox end up. Um, but those are probably your top three teams, and then kind of a question mark in the West of. The Astros. Some, I saw somebody had the Angels up there. The West is gonna be a dogfight. The West is gonna be crazy. We did. We already did the preview, and we were kind. Of, we gave a lot of shit to the bottom teams of that division, but the ones are, who are up in the top, it's gonna be fun. But I think that's gonna do it. Unless you guys have any other final points. No. Awesome. This was uh, very excited, and uh, all I'll say is I don't know uh, when uh, when people are gonna be listening to this, but we're filming this on Thursday. It's around 10.40 uh, p.m. right now, and exactly a week from today. Uh, opening night. O- opening night, and can't wait. I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm going to drop this Friday along with the NLS that we're about to record. It's a bonus episode. In fact, I think I need to right now see what sort of meetings I have on Thursday, but I, uh, I've been meaning to uh, put in for a day off on, uh, on, on Thursday, April 1st. So. I knew that I... Shouldn't buy Phillies home opener tickets. I'm getting married in two weeks, and I was looking today. I was like, I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna buy. And I had Emily had to be put up the point of like, we're saving for a house. I'm like, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Not buying them. So April seventh will be the first baseball game I go to. April seventh. Oh man, <laughs> you're such a martyr. <laughs> I was just looking at. I found awesome third baseline seats, eleven rows up. I'm like. It has a five-star value on StubHub. I'd be stupid not to buy. You made the right decision. Yeah, I made the right decision. Yeah. But I think that's going to do it. We're going to jump over. You probably already listened in the order of podcasts, the NL West. But Seth, Andrew, I appreciate you guys jumping on. This was a lot of fun. Definitely uh, the first of 
many team previews and the first of many, obviously, appearances for you. Andrew, hopefully the first of many appearances for you on the podcast this year. Pleasure to be here. All right. I love the indifference. But, Who knows, you know? I, I don't, <laughs> don't want to make a liar out of you, but I hope I can come back for Yankee Podcast. Okay. I got to be honest, I don't know much of anything else. All right. Well, that'll do it for this one. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, search The Bullpen Cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG. I'm at Jordo9. You mentioned your handles. Seth, do you want to plug your social media at all? No. Okay. Instagram is Thunderblog Sports. The Facebook group is the Bullpen Cart Podcast group where you can be a part of the conversation. Even though I haven't posted anything about the podcast and episodes that we've been doing, I keep saying I'm going to change it. Hopefully do that by opening day. But that'll do it for this episode. For Seth and Andrew, I am the G-Man. Have a great weekend, everybody. And we're a week away. Go baseball.